You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. How are y'all today? Well, we have had some amazing episodes. We went through audit. We figured out how to gauge whether you have a drinking issue. We talked about the seven things to not do or to be mindful of when you first get into sobriety and recovery. I celebrated seven years. I know. Seven years. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, I certainly saw it when I hit six years, but I'll tell you what. Day one, I was just hoping I could make it to day two. So there's a lot going on. And I think one of the cool aspects of stepping ourselves into sobriety and recovery is realizing that we're not alone on a journey like this and that there are a lot of people who have gone through things similarly. Nobody has gone through your exact situations, even if we all were in the same orphanage and had or the foster home were, you know, severely abused by our foster parents. Nobody took on that abuse the same way. Nobody experiences the same way. Nobody got it the same way. It's 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 all very interesting how I've gone into situations where like that when I just referenced where people had been like, yeah, we were all in the same foster home. And yet, why is this one person experiencing it differently than me? Because we are unique, amazing human beings who are going to experience things differently. That being said, there are certain things that we're all going to really want when we first step into sobriety and recovery. And today I want to talk about the ways that we can support those going into sobriety and recovery. And because I love lists, love lists, I have made another list of ways that we can support somebody going through early stages of sobriety and recovery. What we're going to cover today is going to not necessarily only be for those people who are looking to support a spouse, a brother, sister, loved one in sobriety and recovery. It could also be for those of us who have been in long-term recovery and have forgotten what maybe the beginning stages of it are like. And we want to push our belief system around sobriety and recovery on somebody else, assuming that because we've been through so much that we know better. One of the interesting things I've experienced as a life coach and recovery coach, business coach for so many years now, is that everybody is starting at a different place. Some people already have some knowledge. Some people have no knowledge. And I remember this very vividly. Whenever I went to go coach my long-term business coach and life coach, he's the guy who taught me neuro-linguistic programming. He taught me how to speak on stage. He taught me a lot of different things. And he hired me on to be his uh, physical fitness coach. And a lot of that actually had to do with mindset because the guy had worked out before. He wasn't a dunderhead. He wasn't like he'd never been inside of a gym or ever even picked up something heavy before. He was very well aware of what all the YouTube shows talk about. But he was not quite aware of a lot of the intricacies of the mindset around this. And so I would go to have him start picking up the habits that had benefited me, which seemed like a very natural destination, right? Well, I got here. He likes where I got. So let's just have him do everything that I'm currently doing. One of the very initial pushbacks I got with this was whenever I asked him how much water he was consuming a day. And he said about 16 to 24 ounces. And he drank them out of this one particular bottle. So he knew exactly how much he was drinking. And I was like, okay, great. I was like, we want to get you to a gallon a day. 
So I was like, so we need to go off and you need to start drinking a gallon of water a day. And he agreed. He's like, yeah, all right. You drink a gallon of water. I'll drink a gallon of water. Let's go drink a gallon of water. And we discussed a lot of things, but I know I vividly remember the enthusiasm we both had about him beginning to drink a gallon of water the very next day. Well, guess how much water he drank by the time we talked next. It was not a gallon a day. That's for freaking sure. And he's like, I just don't get it. He's like, I know it's going to help. I just don't understand why it's not working. It's working for you. And so I was like, okay, well, let's reverse engineer this. I'm now at a gallon a day. What was I, where was I at when I first started? And again, this is in the beginning stages of my coaching. So I thought, okay, somebody asks you a question. You tell them what you're doing. They're happy with where you're at. So they're just going to naturally go off and do it. And when you first get into coaching, you think, oh, okay, I'm just giving people, I'm giving people paid advice. That's what people often misrepresent as a life coach. Oh, I'm going to pay you. You're going to tell me what to do, and then I'll go do it. Or a person who wants to get into this industry will say, I'm just going to give, I'm really good at giving all my friends advice, and they always listen to me, so I'm now going to get paid for it. It turns out that there is a lot of pushback in people. And oftentimes, if you think your friends are always listening to you and you give such great advice, uh, it's probably not as... (laughs) Probably not like that, actually. Uh, There could be a lot of people who stopped asking you about certain things because they don't want unsolicited advice. So back to the point about the water is I thought, okay, he asked a question. I gave him an answer. He'll just go off and do it. But there was an unconscious pushback, and we couldn't understand why. And so as in that conversation, we began to reverse engineer how I got to a gallon of water. He's like, well, you didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to drink a gallon of water. How did you get here? And I remember at When I first got sober, in order to achieve the drinking of more water, I kept a very particular pint glass in my kitchen, and I would use a dry erase marker and put little notches on it every single time I got the Brita out of the refrigerator and poured water into it, and I told myself that I wanted to get up to eight glasses. Well, at first, I wasn't getting up to eight glasses. I was only getting four or five, but each day, I would notice I would drink a little bit more of the water, and after a month, I was very easily drinking a gallon to the point where I went off and got something at Amazon in order for me to then begin to be able to fill up a whole gallon thing every single day. And it had like little, in fact, I still have it right next to me. Uh, It's this little yellow thing I call Bumblebee. Um, And at 7 a.m., good morning, 9 a.m., you've got it. 11 a.m., remember your goal, 1 p.m., go for it. Type in one gallon water bottle of motivational messages into Amazon, and one of these things will pop up. And then 9 p.m., you did it, which is actually about two inches away from the bottom. So it's not technically done whenever you get to the you did it point of the bottle, but absolutely, that's what worked. And I'm telling you this entire story because when you go to support people and you're looking to help them maneuver through whatever it might be, If you're somebody who has a lot of experience in sobriety and recovery and you just want to be able to fuse your brain with theirs and magically make them behave like you do now, you're going to want to reverse engineer how you got to where you're at and then slowly incorporate them into the things that you are currently like doing. So if you want them to start walking 10,000 steps, getting somebody who has barely ever walked 1,000 to 10,000 in one day is going to be a challenge. You might get them to do it once or twice, but it's only going to be a matter of a day when they become super busy. And now they're like, I I don't got time for 10,000, so I'm not going to go off and get any. 
Well, 2,000 is better than 1,000, and two and four is better than two, and, and six is better than four. But if you can't find any time to even get in 3,000, then at least get 1,000, right? Like anything is, any movement's better than no movement is what I'm trying to say. But remember that you got there in your own way. Work with the person who you're seeking to support so that they can get there in their own way. Also giving them those nudges of encouragement. So that's just a eight-minute one in there. Uh, but that was one of the first ones I wanted to talk about was when you go to support something, remember how you got there. right? Support them the way they need to be supportive in the moment. And you want it to be encouraging uh, but not so encouraging that if they don't achieve where you're at today, that they somehow walk away feeling like they're a failure. So encourage and support, realizing that you know Rome wasn't built in a day. Another way that you can begin to support is being an active listener, right? Release judgment. Allow the person in your life to express themselves, their feelings, their struggles, their successes. Sometimes just having someone to listen is extremely helpful, and they don't need unsolicited advice. They just want someone to listen. Be that person for the the person you love. Be that active listener. Yes, you can summarize. You can um, review. Uh, it's called ORS. It's being it's uh, open mindedness, active listening, review, and summarize, and one of the brilliant things about this kind of active listening behavior is that it will actually help that person feel more connected to you whenever you do that. Um, If you're looking to support somebody, you can educate yourself about addiction recovery. There are meetings like Al-Anon. I'm actually in the process of putting together this entire program. um, And I haven't called given it a name yet, but it's called, but right now I'm just loosely referencing it as support for supporters and it's utilizing what I've discussed in this show for the last few years, but realizing that it can be geared towards those who want to support those who are entering into sobriety and recovery. There are a lot of needs in our industry, and one of the ones that I have noticed the most that could be extremely beneficial is being uh, supportive for those who want to be supportive. It's very interesting that like Al-Anon is like one of the only ways that people who are not in active addiction or in sobriety and recovery can, you know, think about that. You got Al-Anon. That's name something else. That's a support group. That's as widely known as Al-Anon. It's an opportunity for those who have a loved one suffering from alcohol and drug abuse and other kinds of SUDs or process addictions to get more information, but where it's not just, you know, sitting around and it's actually active, and there's the sharing, and there's the nurturing. You've got Al-Anon, and then it just feels like there's not much beyond that, other than some small localized community efforts. So if you're looking to support yourself, educate yourself about addiction recovery. Go off and read books about addiction and addiction recovery, and then bring those to the person who is in sobriety and recovery and conversate about those. You're going to get a lot of feedback on what kind of support they need based off of what you've learned and the questions you ask. So there's another great one too. Offer emotional support. Right up there with educating yourself and being an active listener is realizing that there's going to be some validation of one's feelings, of one's thoughts, a reassurance um, to them that what they're doing is being embraced by you. It's very interesting. 
how often I will hear people in sobriety and recovery say that their loved one, their spouse, their family members, they're like, I don't need to pat you on the back every time you do something good. I shouldn't have to tell you, hey, good job, you know, give you a little tiny celebration every time you do something. Like, you know, you're not getting a trophy for participation. We're not going to bake you a cake every time you do something good. And that's just, it's super shitty to hear that as somebody going through sobriety and recovery because for us doing this, it just feels like the whole world is changing. And some days it feels like it's collapsing around us. And other days it feels like it's expanding beyond, you know, the known universe. And we're just like, wow, this is amazing. I want to share this with somebody. And then you go to share it with the person that you love the most. And then they're just like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, you're not a child. I shouldn't have to pat you on the head every single time. In a way, we're all children. We've all got that little child inside of us who's just yearning to be accepted and loved. And when we yell, look, mommy, look, they look. I get when we're kids, we say, look, mommy, look, daddy, look so many times. At some point, the the parents are going to fade it out and just be like, seriously, can you just entertain yourself? But when we're getting into sobriety and recovery, we're going to want those little tiny celebrations. We're it, It's going to feel good. So offer emotional support. Reassure. There, there's a, there is a validation all humans want. And what's unfortunate is that the people who oftentimes want to give the validation the least are the ones who actually need it for themselves the most. Another thing to keep in mind is uh, respecting uh, people's decision to avoid alcohol. It's really, again, interesting how oftentimes I will talk to somebody who has quit drinking who's like, yeah, my friends still want to go to the bar or they invited me to a party even though they know tons of alcohol is going to be there. I quit doing cocaine, yet every single time I go hang out with these people, it seems to be around. Uh, If you really, truly want to support somebody, then respect their decision to avoid the alcohol and the drugs. Now, if that means that you want to continue doing that stuff and therefore you're not going to invite the person into sobriety and recovery to this event because you don't want to be rude and have that around them, then discuss that with them. They might be okay with it being around them. They may have gotten to a stage where it's not a big deal. Or they might say, hey, um, thank you. That really means a lot you did that. How about I skip this party, but why don't we all get together one afternoon and go hang out and do something that's not alcohol-centric? Be willing to do a little give and take there, a little ebb and flow, and just respect the person's decision to avoid alcohol, to avoid drugs. There are activities that exist where alcohol doesn't need to be there. Society has normalized drinking so much that we think, well, I joined a bowling league. I guess everybody's getting drunk. I'm going to this birthday party for a seven-year-old, and all the dads and moms are going to be drinking beers and wines. And It's like just because we're not shooting shots like we did when we are 21 doesn't mean that putting a six-pack away at a seven-year-old's birthday party is a wise decision. It's not responsible. And I say this as being somebody who used to get housed at kids' birthday parties. Um, It was irresponsible of me then, and I highly doubt that it's become more responsible for anyone doing it now. Also, encouraging that healthy lifestyle choices. Again, sleeping better, better nutrition. I mean, I mentioned all these specifically whenever we did the last episode about the things to not do, the things to be mindful of when we get into early stages of sobriety and recovery. As somebody looking to support someone in the early stages of sobriety and recovery, you could begin to eat more healthy with them. You could begin to do some regular exercises. You could also, um, if you don't want to adjust your sleep schedule, be mindful of how your sleep schedule might be affecting their sleep schedule. 
And again, well, this is a really good point in the show to stop and say that what can be difficult for the supporters of those in sobriety and recovery can be if this is like the fifth, 10th, 20th time the person has said, that's it, I'm done, I'm never doing it again. Everybody notice I'm never doing it again. And then they're back to it a month later. And you're like, okay, you know what? I'm really tired of changing my life and just having this person go back to being the same old them not too much longer later. I totally get it. I totally get it. And there's going to need to be a conversation about that. If you keep making changes in your life, if you keep giving up allowances for their behaviors, and then they keep going back, you may be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to keep doing my thing because they're going to keep doing their thing. There's a conversation to be had there. And if they're like, look, this is the 20th time that you've quit. I'm not going to get rid of all my booze. I'm not going to start changing my behaviors and my habits to support you because you keep going back. And the person's going to have to understand that that's the way that it is according to you. And you can either ride or die and, and plant your flag on that hill. And that'll either work for or against the person. Ultimately, it is the addict's choice to make the decision to get into sobriety and recovery. And it's their choice each and every day to maintain that. They can say that you can be supportive. They can say that the actions you're doing are supporting them. But I know plenty of people who have gotten sober in a house full of booze. I know plenty of people who have gotten sober in an environment that is not conducive to achieving sobriety and recovery. And I equally know plenty of people who have had everyone in their life make allowances for them and change their behaviors so that they would feel more comfortable being around everyone who've ended it back up in rehab a year later. So there is not a set in stone way any of this stuff is going to play out. That being said as well, if there is a part of you that thinks that there's something that you would like to know, but you just don't feel like you're able to find the answers out there anywhere else, I have done a lot of coaching toward those who are looking to support the people in sobriety and recovery. So if you are looking for support as a supporter, then go to jessemogul.com slash ask me, click on the coaching button and fill out my Google form. And I will be more than happy to set up a call with you because there is absolutely information that will benefit you in knowing. And yes, you can go hunt and peck all over the internet for these answers. But as somebody who has spent thousands of hours researching this topic. I can assure you that a lot of it is just written by bloggers who have read 10 other blogs and have just made up their own blog based off those 10 blogs. And the information just becomes very circular at some point where, yes, it's an echo chamber. And a lot of that stuff is very viable. But once you get past the surface level stuff and you start really getting into the nitty gritty of how to interact with someone, how to really be able to help them shift their thinking, their mindset, their behaviors, that's the information that is not as readily available. And I would be more than willing to help you find some of that. So jessemogul.com slash ask me and we will get on a phone and we will figure that out. Number, well, I got it listed as number six here, but I'm just sort of floating through the list. Um, You want to help the person in sobriety and recovery identify their triggers and stressors. Be willing to have these kind of conversations with them that allow them to recognize situations, people, places, things, emotions, times of day that can trigger that desire to drink and use drugs. And then really come up with some cool ways to help them manage or absolutely avoid the triggers because triggers are everywhere. It's like a minefield. They're going to be all over the place. Uh, We have built up thousands of habits as addicts that lead us to the same destination, you know, to the bar, to our drug of choice. 
as they're breaking these habits, it creates a power vacuum inside the mind that needs new habits to fill it. So be one of the reasons that they find new habits. Hey, we're not getting drunk every Saturday afternoon now. Why don't we pick up hiking or uh, collaging or is collaging? Yeah, collaging is the thing. My stepmom does it. Um, maybe you want to pick up whitewater rafting or training billy goats to dance for money on streets. I don't know. Pick up a hobby. They're out there and you can help somebody find one. Um, absolutely encourage people to attend support meetings. Uh, go to support meetings for yourself. Al-Anon is great. Again, I think it's one of the reasons why I would like to develop my own kind of Al-Anon thing where um, it can be uh, more, uh, I'm not going to say readily available because Al-Anon's a lot of places. But th- again, there's certain information that it's always out there. What about the information that's not? So help people go to support meetings, go to support meetings yourself. Understand that you can go, um, you know, you might be able to go someplace really fast by yourself, but you're going to go much further when you're doing it with other people. So I encourage you to go to support meetings, whether you are the addict, the one in sobriety and recovery, or the one supporting the person who is an addict or in sobriety and recovery. So be mindful. Uh, Also, if you are a supporter, Patience and understanding. Recovery is a journey. There are ups and downs. Just because somebody shows up five minutes late and you're like, oh, there you go, just being the same old Jesse, that's that's insulting and it's hurtful. Be patient and understand that plenty of people who are not in sobriety and recovery or who are not addicts are also late to things, forget things, don't do things the first time they were asked. Is this is not the time to yell and scream about every little thing. It's like I, whenever I teach parents how to communicate more healthily with their children, it's like if you go, if you're going to yell at them about something that they did, it's very important that you stress. Look, you're not a bad kid. You just did something that's upsetting, or you did a bad thing. Like right, you're not a horrible human being because you broke the glass. I would just prefer if you don't break glasses in the future. But children don't know how to internalize being yelled at, so they think that they're a bad person. They don't they don't think they're worthy. They their minds are making meaning where meaning may not even exist. Well, now we're adults and we haven't even healed a majority of those wounds. So you go off and you yell, and that's gonna trigger them to feel less than, to feel ostracized, to feel isolated. And next thing you know, they're hiding booze in the garage again. Things are going to get tough. Be patient and understanding. You would want the same patience and understanding yourself. Um, be mindful about daily tasks and chores. Right, We're not expecting the person to be able to completely walk away from their life responsibilities. But feelings of overwhelm and frustration can come from routine tasks and errands. And while I'm teaching people stuff a lot, and frustration and confusion and overwhelm are signs that we're learning new things. And, it's, and that's why the brain feels overwhelmed or frustrated or confused. It's extremely important to realize that in normal day-to-day life, we don't want to be walking into a sea of overwhelm, frustration, and confusion all of the time. So yes, maybe taking some things off of the newly sober person's plate for a little while is beneficial, but again, it needs to happen through a conversation. Hey, I'll take on this daily task for a little while. Let's say you lived on a farm and you had a lot of pigs and you had a good 
feed the pigs every single day. And you said, you know what? I will make sure that the pigs get fed every single day for this first month while you're just getting used to your sobriety and recovery. And as the month moves forward, we'll start incorporating you back into the feeding of the pigs more regularly so that by month two, you're back to feeding the pigs every single day. Random ass example, I was raised on a family farm as a child. I had to feed the pigs every day and shovel chicken shit at five in the morning before I went to school, even when it was cold, especially when it was cold. So (laughs) daily tasks, errands, routine, things that you might think aren't that big of a deal could be a little too much for somebody going through the beginning stages of healing into sobriety and recovery. Uh, We want to respect their privacy. It's extremely important that you become the oath keeper, the secret keeper. You are not the secret sharer. Just because somebody tells you something does not mean they want it repeated. I honestly, this one's the one that gets me the most. I cannot tell you how many people I know in my own family. It's like they run out of things to say. So then they just start talking about other people. Oh, well, this person told me this thing the other day. Well, they didn't tell me. And I talked to them the other day. So maybe that wasn't something that they would want me to know. Right? Let somebody else tell somebody else something else. If you are told something, and if it's something that you just think you must tell other people, at least at the very least, ask the person, is that private or is that something that I could discuss with the rest of the family? They might want you to be the bearer of that news around town, around other people. They might actually enjoy the fact that they don't have to go tell everybody all of this stuff. They might be like, yeah, you know what? I really don't want to repeat this story 20 times. So if you could just go and spread this story around to everybody and tell everybody to tell the rest of the family, that would be great. If you wanted to go even faster around the family, I would highly recommend you tell somebody who you know to be a gossip that it's a secret. If you tell somebody who's a known gossiper that it's a secret, everyone in your family will know the next day. I'm not saying I'm speaking from experience. I'm just hinting at that I have spoken from experience. Um, Know the signs of a relapse. Relapse happens well before the actual consummation of the drink, of the drug. Just because somebody is taking that shot now, hitting that pipe now, the relapse started a long, long, long time ago. So it's extremely important that you realize that you want to to notice the signs of the relapse and have a plan to assist them in that. And then encourage them to explore new hobbies and interests. We covered this. I think it's extremely awesome to be a part of the formation of new habits with people. So I would like for you as a supporter to introduce them to some new things. Find out what you're curious about, especially if it's like a spouse or a child. Like If it's somebody you actively do a lot of things with, there might be some really cool stuff that you would have been wanting to do with them. Maybe go get dance lessons. Maybe go uh, pick up painting or something super sweet and cool. You have an opportunity to create a new life with this person. What are you guys curious about? Curiosity becomes interest. Interest becomes passion. Passions become purpose. Figure that out and then rock and roll. Rock and roll, hoochie Rock and roll, hoochie Come on down and be sober in, in recovery. I, that is that, that was that is ten seconds that I wish I could take back from the history of this show. <laughs> 
All right, my friends, just remember that your role as a supporter is to provide stability and understanding in a warm environment. Uh, respect their autonomy, respect their uh, beneficence, respect uh, the fidelity of the relationship. Um, your support can make all of the difference. It can be so huge and so significant that it literally changes everything. But remember, it's always their choice. They choose each and every day to embrace their sobriety and recovery. They choose each and every day to maintain it. And they will choose how to experience their day as their head hits the pillow every single night. You can only do so much. Make sure that there are healthy boundaries in place. And again, that stuff comes through conversation. If you find yourself in an argument with someone, anyone, this is beyond just sobriety and recovery. This is life. If you find yourself in an argument, somebody's boundaries were stepped over. Something happened and the other person didn't feel very good about it. Figure out why that is, conversate about it, and now there's a better understanding and a deeper connection in the relationship. All right, my friends, I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you'd like to know more about what I do over here, jessemogul.com slash ask me. Hit me up. Fill out my Google form. We'll hop on a phone call. We'll figure it out. I have answers. You have questions. That's what I do. I like to help. Maybe you are the person who's been waiting to find me. Inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. That was actually seven seconds of the show. I am very happy to have done. (laughs) Shout out, Sunshine. Shout out, Robert. Glow on. See you next time. Bye-bye.